more great shows or join the team at sport-social.co.uk. Hello, welcome back to the Football Masterclass. My name is Haydar Rabani and I'm your host as ever today. I've got a fantastic guest, someone I've wanted on the podcast for a very, very long time. Jonas Yeva is here. He is from the La Liga Loca podcast, Norwegian journalist. I'm sure you've all seen him. He's, uh, you know, he's, he's always around. He's very well respected. So Jonas, welcome. Thank you very much for joining me today. How are you doing? And uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about Jules Kunde, someone who's very, very highly rated and someone who seems to be all over the news at the moment. He is. Uh, primarily, thank you for having me. Uh, a, uh, I got to say, a very impressive introduction of me, probably one of the better ones I've heard. So I have thank to thank you. you for that first and foremost. Um, no problem. Yeah, Jules Kunde, he's, uh, he's been all over the news for the better part of the year, I suppose. And, and, and rightly so. I mean, he's a, he's a terrific, uh, terrific central defender and, and he's proven primarily this season, I suppose, how, how good he really is because he's been in a shadow almost quite literally of his, uh, center back partner, uh, Diego Carlos, who's, I mean, in stature, he is almost twice the size of Kunde, but in terms of, skills and, and attributes i'd say um, kunde is starting to to outshine him there's a lot of shadows and light here now uh and i'm using a lot of picturesque sort of anecdotes but um but yeah he's uh, i think kunde has been ridiculously good this season for for sevilla and if you if you take uh atletico madrid out of the equation sevilla is the team i believe was letting the fewest goals in la liga and, and a lot of those um, I suppose statistics are down to how good Kunde has been. Yeah, I've been very impressed. I mean, my sort of first, I mean, I can't confess I've seen him a lot. You know, that's why I have you on the show. You watch him much more than I do, and you have a much better understanding of what where he sort of uh, where strengths and weaknesses lie. But well, my first exposure was obviously May United playing in the semi final in the Europa League, and um, everyone talked about Diego Carlos last season who seemed to be the one that all the top teams are going for. And then Kunde sort of out of nowhere, didn't he? Just just emerged. And um for someone that's short, I mean look, I'm five foot nine, so I'm not the tallest. So but he's you know he's he's five foot ten. Similar, maybe not in playing style, but you know, stature of Cannavaro, who was a very short centre back. Yeah. But if you look at all the statistics, I mean the Premier League is a physical league. We always hear this. You know, the the English and the British love the fact that we're the, the best league in the world. I don't think it's true, personally. And I'm a big Premier League fan. I watch a lot of Serie A. I don't think the Premier League is the best league, just the best marketed league. But when you think about the amount of times that aerial duels are something you a centre back has to deal with, the physicality of it, Kunde really does impress in that in that area, doesn't he, of his game? I mean why why is that the case is it because you know perhaps some of his youth football or is it just because he's just na a natural reader of the game i think it's more the last one there from what i've seen from him i mean if you you mentioned fabio cannavaro yourself but if you think of players such as 
Ivan Cordova, who was also very short uh, and was an incredible leaper, and even uh, an even better example is Roberto Ayala, who played for uh, Valencia, who was known as perhaps one of the best uh, aerial duels players in in world football for the better part of a decade. So I mean. Uh, your height shouldn't necessarily have something to say about how good you're in the air, and he times his, his leaps very well. Um, he's incredibly physical. I mean, he is very physical to be such a small statue player, but but what I think he sets him apart is the fact that he's a great reader of the game. He is he's very good at uh, anticipating situations, and, and considering he has a, sort of a rash defender next to him in Diego Carlos, he has to anticipate a lot of what, ha what happens around him, and he he doesn't only anticipate things defensively, he's very good at anticipating things offensively as well, which is why you've seen that sometimes he's been very good at rating with the ball, you know, going on long runs with the ball. And he had a fantastic goal in the Copa del Rey against uh, Barcelona after a great run, actually. So, I mean, uh, he's, a, he's a player who's able to contribute on both both ends of the field. But but I think that what, what sets him apart is just that his uh, anticipation, understanding of the game is just next level at times at times he he's a defense on his own and and it's kind of odd because when he when he first came to Sevilla and he played he was set as a center back but when he played I could never really put my put my finger on what position does he actually play I mean I have a, a few of the people that I do the podcast with that are much more well versed in Spanish football than I am we, we, we sat there and we watched the games and we were like yeah he's a he's supposed to be a center back but he's a right winger, a right back, a defensive midfielder. All of a sudden, he's a he's a false nine almost. He's a straight. He, he was everywhere. It was just what, what kind of player is he? So, um, I mean, to have him sort of finally become more set as a centre back for Sevilla next to someone like uh, Diego Carlos, and also to have Fernando, former the former Manchester City a defensive midfielder, ahead of him, I think has given him more of uh, of a stability and. And an understanding on how he can use uh, his skill set, both offensively and defensively, for the greater good of Sevilla. And we've seen time and time again this season that they are, I think, a side that still is in development. Uh, in development, um, but they're also very underrated in terms of how great their potential can be. Yeah, fantastic side. I was so happy when uh, Lopetegui did win the Europa League. Because you yeah. obviously remember that the whole the whole situation around Madrid, that we had the World Cup. Uh, I was delighted for him. You can see how much it meant for him. But I think Sevilla are a beautiful side to watch, and that sort of brings me to Manchester United because I don't think they're the the best side to watch. I don't think that. I think a reason for that is because there are so many holes in key areas for the team. Um, you know, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, you're Norwegian. You, you you obviously know Oli in depth. Oli Gunnar Solskjaer wants to play out the back. He wants to be able to build. He wants to... The problem with Manchester United at the moment is that I think they're a very good transition-based team. They're fantastic yeah. in transition, great on the counter. Uh, another thing about United that I've noticed is that they create more transition-based chances. They don't create enough possession-based chances. It all comes from building from the back. David De Gea is a bit of a problem. Maguire is probably one of the, the most flawed players, centre-backs I've ever I've ever seen personally, uh, considering the price that he, he's he got. But he he can bring the ball out of defence. He does start off the attacks. Lindelof, decent on the ball, but it doesn't work. So you put Koundé into the mix. How does he fit next to, say, Maguire? Because he's probably the first choice. Does his attributes, um, you know work with Maguire because we know how painfully slow he is. You need someone with a bit of pace about him. I mean, would that be a partnership that 
would work and could propel United to the title challenge where they want to be? It's a good question. Um, putting me on the spot there. Um, if I'm going to, you know, stake a claim here in, in some aspect, I'd say no because I don't, I don't see how they fulfill each other. Um, I like Harry Maguire on the ball, and perhaps in that aspect, he'd take away some of the um, responsibility that Kunde would have in terms of bringing a ball up upfield, but. I think if you're going to place one player next to Kunde, who's currently at Manchester United, I'd go for Eric Bailly. I think that Bailly kind of fits more with Kunde in that he's a lot more physical and he also has the the pace and and the physicality about him to allow Kunde to to go on those runs and perhaps uh, contribute more in bringing the ball out in actually physically bringing the ball out by moving towards the lines because I think Bailly would easily be able to to fit into the hole that that uh, Kunde would leave by by uh, rating upwards, and and I suppose you'd have someone like Fred or or, or Matic to to sort of fall back and kind of help out in terms of uh, if they need so in terms of of adding up numbers if a team was to to win the ball up high with, with Kunde bringing the ball up because that has happened, and 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 Diego Carlos and, and Fernando has have been able to sort of. Um, I suppose fit in that hole that, that Kunde leaves, but personally, I, I I think that Maguire becomes a little bit too slow in, in that aspect. But I mean, if you're if you set, I, I, it also depends on if are you going to set the line high, are you going to set, are you going to have a low block? Because I think Maguire is more of a low block player, yeah, 100%. more so than high line. And yeah, exactly. So I mean, if you're going to play with a high line, a guy like Bailly becomes almost a necessity because he needs to be able to track back if they're. If they're counted on, and I think that that's also what what gives Sevilla sort of a an advantage when they play when they play with a with a high press or the, or they move their lines up high is that they have Diego Carlos who is very quick and Kunde who is even quicker. So so um, I think that they they kind of uh, fit well with each other because they have so many similarities in terms of being physical and being quick. But that they have different aspects in terms of how they use the ball. It's it's a very obvious that Diego Carlos is not going to be the player to to sort of orchestrate from from the back, even though he he's pretty underrated on ball. But Kunde is just so much better than him with the ball. But I I, I just don't see how Maguire would be able to um, to fit alongside a guy like uh, like Kunde. But then again, it all depends if you're playing high line or if you're going to sit deeper. Yeah, it's a big problem, isn't it? I mean, I agree with you when it comes to Harry Maguire. You've seen, especially I think in the last month, he's been one of United's probably best attacking creative players. And that, that's that's a problem with Manchester United at the moment. When your centre-back is the one that's driving forward with the ball, uh, you know, stepping, stepping into the space in midfield, and that, that's an issue. But, I mean, I'm going to bring in another player into this, if you don't mind, because you do watch um, Serie A. And I really... Uh, sorry, uh, La Liga. And I really, really like... Paul Torres. Now I think yeah. he's a fantastic player. Do you think someone like Paul Torres would be a better fit for what Manchester yeah. are doing? One of the biggest things I think, uh, you know, which Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wants is a left-footed player, and it. it's all about the angles that they can create. You know, with the part with his passing. Paul Torres. My concerns would be possibly the aerial duels, and that's where Kunde, I think, probably out out does him. Correct me if I'm wrong. That that's completely fine. You know, you do watch. Um, these guys play more than I do, but what I really like about Torres is is the fact that his positioning, his reading the game is is top notch, and he's on that left side. You can maybe move regard to the right. Would you say that would be a better fit for Manchester United if they are looking to be shopping in La Liga for a centre back? 
It depends. I mean, Pau Torres is a lot more disciplined in the way he plays than, than Jules Kounde. And I think that Sevilla play a more free-flowing sort of style. They have a 4-3-3, a very set 4-3-3, but they have both their fullbacks uh, advance at the same time. I mean, they have Fernando sort of falls back whenever Kounde or Diego Carlos moves up or, or even falls down, even if both uh, of the fullbacks go. They have a set style, but it's more free-flowing, whereas... Villarreal or Villarreal. Villarreal play more um, in the style of Unai Emery, and Emery is a guy who likes to have his lines set. He likes to play uh, more cynical in a way, and, and more have more structure in terms of the yeah, play, more, and more compact. I would say as well from his time yeah, at Arsenal. There you go. That's the, that's the that's the term I'm looking for. More compact, and and I think Pau Torres fits in with that, and I think that. Defensively, defensively, I think that Sulcher would like to play that that more compact style with Man United, and then try and build in terms of counterattacking. And I think that Pau Torres is much better with the first outlet outlet pass after you win the ball back, and then to to play the ball either wide or through the middle, and then try to bring the wingers in, and then have uh, a three three uh, three versus two or four versus two uh, on the counter, for example. And I think Pau Torres fits that a lot better than than Kunde would do. Then again, I think that Kunde is still uh, at a point in his career where he's able to develop that. So I think that the higher potential, perhaps, is with Julius Kunde. But if you're looking for a player to fit in with the style that Sulcha is trying to play right now, I think Pau Torres is a much better fit. I agree. Yeah, look, in the ideal world, you'd you'd be bringing two. I mean, I think McGuire. If you want to win a title, I'm not sure if he is the caliber you need, but you never know. We've seen with uh, Ruben Diaz coming into Manchester City where it takes one player to come in and elevate. No one thought John Stones would be doing what he's doing right now. But the way that Diaz has come in, we thought, all thought he would be with Laporte. Laporte's a fantastic, fantastic centre-back. If you're not going to ever get a dream centre-back, it would be, for me, Emmerich Laporte. But Oh, really? Yeah, I, I think he's I think he's fantastic. But that, that's because I want a left-sided centre-back. You know, so it, if I'm picking someone in the Premier League to play on that left-hand mm -hmm. side, but the biggest problem I think is that let's say you did put in with Maguire, the pace element is a problem, and that's why you know Solskjaer wants to play a high line, but unless Eric Bailly is playing with one of these centre backs right now, maybe Axel Tunzebi, but he's not getting much game time. Confidence mm -hmm. is low. Then you've got a few problems in defence, but. I want to move on to before we wrap up, um, Jonas about some of his weaknesses because Kunde still does have to develop. You know, he's not the finished article. Fantastic, fantastic player, very high ceiling. But if there are any areas of possible concern right now in his game, what would they be? To be a bit tabloid, I, I've always stated with defenders, there's a fine line between bravery and stupidity. And at times, Kunde kind of dances on that line. Sometimes it seems a little bit more stupid than Bray what he does and that's because I think he's a player who has a extremely high confidence and in terms of both with the ball and also defending he takes a lot of chances at times and even though he's able to he's able to to complete those sort of uh, brave moves that he does at times it makes him look look a little bit stupid as I as I alluded to earlier uh in our in our chat here he, when, when he started playing he was all over the place and he kind of didn't know what position does he actually play and and that alluded to again i mean is he really a center back is he really that good of a center back and when he and he still has some of those inklings about his about his game still and and i just like to see him focus more on being a center back and becoming more of a commanding center back who's able is, to is his future at center back do you think because i've looked at him and thought 
maybe defensive, defensive midfielder. midfielder. Yeah. yeah, defensive midfielder. Yeah, I think I think that he's he's able to play both, and I think he gives you a lot of um, a lot of alternatives. And I, I was thinking now, I'm just brainstorming, and you can correct me if I'm wrong or whatever. But I, I see a lot of Marcel Desai in the way he plays, and Desai used to play. Yeah, he used to play. Desai used to be a defensive midfielder, and then he moved back and became a, a centre back. And he he managed to to alternate between those two positions. And I can see Jules Conde developing into doing something of the same. And I think that if you have a a central defensive midfielder in that France team, for example, who's able to slot back and become a centre back, my God, you're going to get so many ways of playing for for that France side. And and I think, and I've said, and I'm and I'm going to stick by it, and I still believe in it that when when Euro 2020 or 2021, I don't know what it's called anymore, but when when the European Championships kicks kicks off, I would be very surprised if Judas Conde is not the first choice for France, just because he's able to play um, in that many positions and he's able to do so many things with and without the ball. Um, but I still think that he needs to become a little bit more focused in the way he plays. And, and also, it is still a factor, albeit not a huge factor. He is not the strongest player. And you saw that very clearly against Borussia Dortmund when Alain Berat Holland kind of just steamrolled him a couple of times. And it was sort of, yeah, you're, you're, it was the first time where I really thought that, yeah, you're, you're a small guy, especially next to someone who is basically a freight train as Holland is. But, but at the same time, the best smaller center backs are able to sort of shield that or 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 mask that in that they're so good in terms of their technical technical ability. And I'd still like to see Kunde develop that a little bit more in order for him to become more dominant because that's that is perhaps what is what is lacking that that. A, the, that ability to be dominant because he's not had to do that considering he has had Diego Carlos next to him now for, for the better part of uh, of the time he's been there. So I think those are the kind of things that he needs to develop. But but some I know a lot of people would like me to probably say, well, his aerial ability needs to improve. I don't think so. I think he's still very dominant in terms of being, being in the air and, and especially defensively. He's not scoring enough goals, I suppose, but that's because, again, he has Diego Carlos next to him and he has Fernando and he has Yusuf and Nasiri who are They're all just, very good in the air. Yeah. Exactly. So so that, that's not really his 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 bread and butter. But he's extremely good at timing his jump. He's extremely good at timing his tackling. Uh, so he, as a defender, he's, he's quite complete. But then again, he just shuts off at times. And, and that's... The thing is, <laughs> Sevilla have two central defenders who, who keep doing that at times, and that's why they have uh, games in which they they look pretty weak in terms of the, their uh, defensive capability. But then again, that's more because both of their centre backs they seem too inexperienced at that level still. So I think that there's they just need experience on on the grandest stage, and and I think that they'll be able to to get that. But but the pricing of Kunde of 80 million euro and perhaps 60, 50, 60 million euro for, for Diego Carlos almost seems a little bit cheap in my estimation. Especially with the lack of quality centre-backs around. There's yeah. a ma- I mean, you, you, you've seen a big change, haven't you, in the way that, or what's expected of a modern-day centre-back. You know, back in the day, they weren't asked to play out the back. They weren't asked to be better footballers. They have to be much more cultured now. I know that's a cliche, but it's generally true. You know, you look at Pep Guardiola, very rarely does, well, he's changed it now with Diaz, but very rarely does he sign a pl- uh, centre-back purely on his defending you know, they've got to be able to play a little bit. But um, you've mentioned defensive midfielder. I do agree. It's something that Manchester United do. You know, Matic, when he does play, does drop in between the centre-backs. I think Kunde could be fantastic at that. I know they're not necessarily similar players, but I look at Kunde and I think a bit of Marquinhos at PSG. I think, you know, yeah. where he can play defensive midfield. He, I mean, Marquinhos no. is fantastic. He can play in defence. Um, 
you know, so possibly you might see that with Kunde in the future, wherever he goes. But that's where I'm going to ask you, Jen. That's the last question before we wrap up. Thank you, as always, for, uh, you know, your fantastic knowledge. But in terms of the likelihood of him leaving, we are in a pandemic. Real Madrid, apparently, correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like their money is going to be tight again for another year. Barcelona, uh, Bartomeu has been arrested. Uh, whatever's going on there, it's crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it's just absolutely nuts. And you're looking at it right now. Man City look like they're quite content with what they've got. They've got uh, Diaz as well over the last summer. So, you know, is there a likelihood that Manchester United could get him? Have you heard that we're interested? I'm not convinced, if I'm being honest with you. I think Pau Torres was first choice last summer. I think Pau Torres is first choice this summer again. Um, the price probably might be a bit cheaper. Correct me if I'm wrong on that. But uh, I don't see Kunde moving to Manchester United. But if he does, he'd be an absolute fantastic signing. And uh, I think he would really excel at the, in the Premier League. Yeah, I think in terms of Pau Torres, what I read, oh, it's a few months ago now, but I believe his release clause was somewhere between 45 million and 55 million uh, euros, I believe. It wasn't pound, it was euros, yes. Uh, and considering that that Upamecano has gone to Bayern, I think that that kind of alleviates that player or removes that player from, from the equation, meaning that the next one is probably either going to be Pau Torres or Jules Conde. Um the likelihood of him leaving. Well, Sevilla are a side that they have a price on every player. Every player has a price, and, and that that doesn't mean that, that that I'm talking about release clauses that are you need a release clause if you're if you're uh, employed in Spain, regardless if you're a plumber or a footballer, you have a release clause in your contract. That's basically law in Spain. I did I didn't um, realize that was actually a thing. I just thought it was just something Spanish clubs did. Very interesting. No. It's it's it, you're you're law abided by doing that, so you have to you have to do that in terms of being employed within Spanish government, I believe it is. Um, that's a that's a different thing for a different podcast, I suppose. But anyways, um, we'll get you back on, mate. It's been fantastic. Yeah, that's awesome. I, I appreciate it. Uh, no, but I think that his price would be around. I'm going to say 70, 80 million euros, considering also that Monchi is, is the sporting director, and Monchi is a wizard in terms of getting value for money and getting things done, and also uh getting a, an incredible chunk of money for plays that you probably wouldn't expect them to get that much money for um the the weird thing here is that if if you asked me a year ago i'd switch diego carlos and julius conde around saying that diego carlos was obviously going to be sold for 80 million euros once the summer window in 2020 opened but then he kind of kind of lost a little bit of level during that uh i suppose that pandemic europa league when he kind of gave away a penalty a game almost it seemed i, th I actually think he did give away a penalty a game uh, more precisely I one particularly bad one i think it might be in the quarterfinals and i was like because Diogo carlos was one liverpool were looking at city were looking at and yeah, thought, yeah. this is the one that's going to be the next you know big center back and he was yeah he disappointed me a little bit i'll be honest with you yeah yeah i agree i agree and I'm on a huge digression here because your question was, how? what is the likelihood of Man United buying him? Um, if you look at teams that are able to purchase him right now, if you look at if you look at economics, let's just, again, Real Madrid are probably going to go for a striker and they're going to try and get David Alaba. So that's that's them done. Um, Barcelona, yeah. Uh, I'm not going to go into more more on them. Yeah, that's um, a mess over there, isn't it? It's just bad. It's a huge mess. It's a huge mess. And, and City, as you said, uh, or you alluded to, I think, I think, Liverpool might be interested considering that they might need another centre-back. Then again, they've bought two. Van Dijk is coming back. They have uh, Matip. They have Gomez. They have Fabinho who can play there. So I'm not seeing the, the necessity for, for centre-back straight away. 
Um, in the Premier League, I don't think there, that there are that many other teams other than Man United that might need a centre-back as of right. I'm trying to think of a team that might just fit one in, but I can't really see anyone who'd have the economy There's to do it either. Do, but Tottenham are never going to go and spend the money. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm saying. That's yeah. what I'm saying. Tottenham are not going to do it. I don't think I, I don't think Arsenal are going to do it, even though I can. I think that they might need one. But the one that, that you might have to look at for, for competition then is PSG. And that makes sense considering he is French and it, it makes a lot of sense for him to have the French stars playing for the best French team. But then again, they are probably going to look at signing Lionel Messi. So can they fit in Lionel Messi and then go and spend 80 million euros on a guy like uh, Koundé unless they also sell Mbappé or Neymar? I'm, I'm, not, I'm not seeing it. So I would say that Man United, if they want him, would be favorites in terms of necessity and in terms of being able to to purchase this economically. But I'm, I'm all of the reports I'm seeing they're not making me believe that it'll happen. I, I, I'm actually thinking that he might remain at Sevilla for another season. Uh, but then again, if he plays the Euros and he has a great Euros, you never know. You know, teams might might just you know shield out the money for him because he's been so fantastic in that Euros, and you sort of have that the European tournament championship bug that every team kind of gets when they see a great player perform. And especially considering that we're in a pandemic that might, you know, force teams to, to fork out a little bit more money, despite the situation being as grave as it is for some clubs. So, but I think Man United, they're sitting pretty if they want him. But then again, as you said, if, if they're going to try and fit in a play with their current system, I think Pau Torres makes a lot more sense than Kunde. but I think that the ceiling for Kunde is a lot higher and, and, and considerably higher than it is for, for Pau Torres. But but then again, it all depends if you're looking looking for some for a project that might develop into something, or you're looking for a player who's performing right now. And even though I think that Kunde is performing right now for the system, I, I reiterate, um, I think Pau Torres makes a lot more sense, also economically. You make a great point about the system. I think people forget that it's not FIFA. You don't just put eleven of the best players <laughs> in the world and put them in team. And this is a problem yeah. with football Twitter journalists. You'll know this as a as a journalist, and you yes. must pull your hair out. Um, you know, when you see when you see things like that. I mean, one thing I will add as well before we wrap up is that Oligon Solskjaer hasn't signed a new contract yet. So that's another factor that needs to be taken in. You know, is he going to be given a new contract? I expect he will probably get uh, a year or two. Um, but if United have a big, big collapse this season, which is very possible because this side is so consistently inconsistent one week they look fantastic one week they don't um you know it's very very possible oh, it's, it's it's stressing me out Jonas as a united fan but uh look thank it you all so depends. Much it, it all depends if you, if they keep bruno fernandez fit i don't think that there'll be a that there'll be a collapse but and if they get Paul Pogba back for a last last you know last three four months yeah. of the season before he goes yeah. um but Jonas, i'll let you plug your your um your podcast as well tell listeners where they can find your podcast and your fantastic work uh, well, if you're Norwegian, I suppose, considering that the podcast is in Norwegian, uh, it's called uh, La Liga Loca, and it's at La Liga Loca Pod on on Twitter. So, regardless if you're uh, uh, an English speaker, or Norwegian speaker, or whatever language you speak, uh, please follow that account. Uh, we're putting out stuff primarily in Norwegian, so I apologize beforehand. But it, anyways, to get a followership there is is wonderful. And um, my personal Twitter handle is at Cheyavara, which is C. H-E-G-I-A-E-V-A-R-A. -E -E so uh, I'll try and put out some, some La Liga stuff and perhaps I, I keep doing 
long threads every now and then on player profiles. Uh, I might do They're those. They're good, mate. I remember your um, Regulon one in the summer. This is a funny story. So I remember seeing it because I, I wanted him in Manchester United. I remember you turning around, specifically you, because everyone was getting all high on him. And, and you were like, he's not as good as everyone's saying. I don't understand where this, because you want to be a player. I don't understand where this sort of hype is with him. First yeah. few first month or so of the season looked good i remember thinking at the time like oh, well i was like well he's very highly rated you're right you're absolutely spot on with everything that you said in that thread i'm looking at now and you can hardly get a game at tottenham there you go i mean he is good don't get me wrong he's good but i was just i never got the world-class thing i mean he's never been world-class yes he's had he played in a great system and that's the system that julius conde and Diego carlos are playing in right now for sevilla as well which is why i'm saying if you're looking at systems i'm not sure if conde is going to to transist that well over to the man united system because the system at sevilla is so set it's a 4-3-3 they play this way if you look at the players that they have now, Marcos Acuna has gone into to the role that, that Regilon had, and he is doing fantastically well. But I'm not quite sure if he'd work in, it, in a different system. And this is why I'm saying with Monchi as well. Monchi is fantastic at looking at what kind of players will fit into that kind of system. And he goes and he scouts and he gets the player, and that player looks like a million bucks, and he's sold for 50, 60, 70, 80, 90 million euros. And oftentimes, oftentimes they do not fit in as well as they did in Sevilla. And, and that is sort of the magic of, of Monchi and the magic of, of, of the scouting system that they have in Sevilla. That's why also why I'm saying that I think that Pau Torres would fit in better than, than Kunde and Diego Carlos because they're, they're not in that set of a system. Even though, of course, Unai Emery is a guy who likes his compact lines and he likes to be more conservative with the ball and so forth. But I think that fits more into the style of Man United, more so than perhaps Kunde and Diego Carlos are doing right now. But then again, they are, I suppose Kunde is younger and, and he, he might be able to, to develop into a system like that. Um, but yeah, I mean, to go back to the Regilon thing, I just, I never saw that. I just never saw how, how people would think he's world-class. And the first thing I thought was, well, this is the bug that, that hits a lot of football Twitter fans that they look at a player link with their club. They go yeah. to YouTube, they see a compilation <laughs> video and they think that this guy is the bee's knees and he's going the to next, turn the world alight. Roberto Carlos, you know, that, that's yes. how it is. Yeah. Yes. And I, res I respect it. I respect that. I've, I've done it myself and got into, you know, YouTube videos to look at a player and thought, wow, he's fantastic. And I will always, I'll, I'll leave you with this one. I'll leave you with this one. I have a friend of mine who, uh, he's a Liverpool fan. And when they were when they were looking at Sotirios Kyrgyakos, for those who remember him, the, the centre-back, there was a video he found on YouTube that was called Sotirios Kyrgyakos Goal Machine. And that's that's the only thing I'm going to say. That's the only thing I'm going to say. And he watched that video and he was convinced that he was a goal machine. So Oh, God. That is, that is a blast from the past, isn't it? Kyrgyakos. Yeah. Wow. Well, Jonas, honestly, this has been absolutely fantastic. I know we said we'd do 20 minutes, but we, we went over by uh, 10 and it was fantastic. Thank you very Time much flies. for joining me. We, yeah, absolutely. We'd love to get you back on. Thank you very much. Guys, all listeners, make sure you check out Jonas's podcast. We actually have a few Norwegian listeners, um, you know, who do listen to them. Obviously, a lot of my United fans who are who are Norwegians. So definitely check out Jonas's fantastic content. Thank you very much for joining me today. And we'll see you for the next Masterclass, which is a Manchester United Tactical Podcast. We'll see you then. This podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.